Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, hello, this is Sue Rose Minahan, and today is September 26, 2020, and we repeat this Thursday morning on October 1st at 6 a.m., and that will only be for two weeks because we are going to just devote this time to the Saturday night program because you can listen anytime on Podcast One, and this has been through KKNW, and that's how you listen live, like tonight. The autumnal equinox was September 22nd. And on the east coast of the United States, uh, east coast time, eastern time, I might say, it was at 6.30 a.m. I'm nine. No, 9.30. Thank you. (laughs) That was a voice from the hemispheres. Yes. (laughs) 9 30 and as i was going to say i have a my brain is toggling because i'm on the west coast my guess is on the east coast so for the west east okay no tongue twister here on the east coast it was at 9 30 a.m west coast 6 30 a.m and hawaii where sue is going to be moving it'll be 3 30 a.m good got that out and so that's generally the focus because at the equinox, equa and nox means equal night and the light because of how the earth is tilted on its axis of 23 and a half. Actually, it's 23.44, but we rounded off degrees pointed north. The earth is going northward on this solar system as we move into space. But as we tilt on our axis going westward to east, the sun, our position with the sun shifts from, now it's overhead as of September 22nd and also in March for the spring equinox, directly over our equator at the center of our globe. And then as we orbit around the sun, as as we have on the ecliptic, it's called the sun's path, where the the planets generally range close to proximity within that same path. This is a little bit of astronomy, I know, but equinox, it's not just a word. It's a physical, visceral experience. It directs our seasons. And increasingly, in many ways, it's becoming very substantial towards understanding astrology and on an esoteric way it's all about light so back to the whole little dramatic episode here that i hope you're visualizing so earth on its 23 and a half tilted to the north going west to east spinning as on its orbit around the sun comes to a point where the sun is directly overhead shining as it does on earth at the equator. And then on the Northern Hemisphere, because of that tilt, it slowly edges up 23 and a half degrees till it reaches the Capricorn, Tropic of Capricorn. So we have winter. 
no more said. I think that's enough of, of that uh, little brainstorm there. But it, it really is an intriguing factor to realize that this world is motion. And as stationary as we are with gravity, we trust we, this Earth continues with its gravity, of course. We are in motion everywhere. And it's not just the stars that seem to be shifting. It's our Earth as we orbit. So, equinox. With no more ado, I will say now it's time for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly, stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the mountain astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, as above, as above, as below. <laughs> Wonderful. Actually, I keep thinking I need to change that so below or so above. But that's just technicalities in the little bit of uh, verbose. Hello, Dr. Tad, this is once again a great pleasure. I missed you last month, but I know you and Tara all did a superb job, and I'm so grateful. So I'm really excited to enter Libra with you above the horizon. Yes, well, it's great to be back. Great to have you back and not um, somewhere on I-5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going north to south like the sun, <laughs> racing ahead. Okay. Actually, I couldn't see it, unfortunately. is a somber thought. Oh, so it was, yes, there was smoke. Thankfully, here in Seattle, we have so much rain, it's gone. And um, that. So we are in a new distinction with the sun in Libra, which is really the self partnering with another. It's a fascinating moment. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we've entered a new season, right? So one of the things that with all the cardinal signs, right? So Aries, Libra, Cancer, Capricorn, you know, whenever we shift signs, when the sun ingresses, there's a shift, but those four in particular tend to be greater demarcations of time. Um, because it's a seasonal shift, w regardless of which hemisphere you're in, it may be a different season, um, but it's still this seasonal shift, it's still this sort of turning of, of the wheels of time in a different way. Um, and 
And Libra is that other, right? It's the scales, it's in astrology, it's about partnership often, but other people and our relationship with other people is a lot of the, the archetype that we've given Libra as a sign. Um, so that is part of the heightened attention, right? I often think of signs, I talk to clients about it, it's sort of like this, I use theater gels as an analogy, right? It's like, so a sign, the sun is always going to be the sun as an archetype, but then it gets this theater gel altering it of Libra that covers it or sort of like colored glass that augments how it's expressed out in the world. Yes, that's very true. In a sense, that reminds me of Gemini Bright, who's often talking about the moon, because it's all light. And so there are these lenses that are put on, as you say, the sun in its magnitude of the Leo essence, which the sun represents, but it is expressing that through a Libra um, um, interest of development. And when I mentioned Brett, Gemini Brett, he'll talk about the moon reflecting the sun's light. So it might be like right now as we speak, it's an Aquarius moon, but it's reflecting Libra light. Now back on September 22nd, only a few days ago, when we entered this um, season of, of Libra and autumn on the Northern Hemisphere, the moon was in Sagittarius. So it was this Libra light being, uh, the, the, the moon in Sagittarius was reflecting Libra light. So anyway, mm -hmm. that's maybe a little bit off from our, but he could think it was like a seat point because, well, going back to the Libra and the four cardinal points, cardinal is action. And so it is a moment of action. And I think you brought up the idea in earlier conversation of harvest mm -hmm. and gathering, which I really like. So I'll just leave on a note because I'd love to hear you talk about that. Sure. Is that the moon in Sag is, has a belief system. And that's our seed point. So really, perhaps we were gathering belief systems. I'll let you rock on with that. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, so the idea of harvest, right, where I was bringing it before is that it used to be what the season was called before we called it fall, before we called it autumn in the Western world, um, it was called harvest. And so it's the season of harvest. That was one of its earlier names. And just sort of thinking about what that means, what that word has come to mean to us more contemporarily, if it's not a period of time, that it's now a verb, right? It's the act of harvesting. You harvest vegetables, you harvest goods. Um, and so thinking about it in that context of, well, what are, and that it's in Libra, which is so relational, and so about, and that harvest was also a time of gathering, right? You're both gathering things, but gathering of people. And how right now we're so challenged by that because of what's going on in the world with, with COVID, that physical gatherings have become really compromised. And so how is that going to be expressed this time, this year? right? When maybe it isn't 
safe to harvest to gather in the same way and that it may be much more of an internal process um and with the moon in libra there's a or with the moon in sagittarius as it was at the turn of the season you know maybe there's a part of it of like the harvesting is actually more philosophical yes rather than physical um, with Sage being the governing philosophy, right? And higher ideas, higher education. So it's sort of the harvesting of knowledge rather than physical things. And perhaps that'll be part of the theme that we find ourselves in for the next three months. Well, that coordinates with this particular chart on another, as we call, another signature, another echo, however it is, because often we look for duplicity or even three times when we're seeing the same concept because it, the, the chart, the moment in time seems to express a, a direction or a purpose or a cause in, in various ways. So I'm noticing that Mercury, I mean, there is a, it, our, our thought process, our communication, for one, um, in Libra at 24 degrees is squaring uh, the Capricorn, uh, actually pretty, squaring pretty exactly Saturn of our conditioned thoughts and ideas. So really, that's a beautiful way of thinking, of echoing that idea that you were mentioning about gathering the internal processing of, of our belief structures, you know, that Sagittarius, we voice and we we need, but we need to review sometimes. Right now with Mars, we're certainly reviewing it. And I, yep, and in fact, it, it's in that T-square with opposing Mars. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a piece of that that maybe, you know, Mercury in Libra sort of screams mediator. Oh. Right? <laughs> it's as we harvest our ideas and our philosophies and our ideals, okay, well, having equanimous conversations, how do we reach across the aisle? How do we listen to other people um, and not be, and this challenge of that right now with it being in opposition to Mars where we just wanna rage and we are reactionary and have super short fuses. Um, and so that balance of on one side, we're being called to communicate with people that we might disagree with. And on the other end of that, we're really vulnerable to being reactionary to what they say. <laughs> It is um, complex. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I'm thinking with Venus, because, and of course, for our audience, you know, it's, it's, the planets are inter, interdependent. I mean, they, they relate to each other on some terms, a little easier here, a little easier or not, and then depending on your own chart, that is astrology. It's a whole introspection of how these light prisons or vibrations or however you want to look at it, these energetic bodies are, 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 uh, working so venus which rules libra both the sun and mercury uh, really does like to find harmony it's true and but i'm thinking it's also wanting to defend causes with with aries and or with mars and 
how mm -hmm. we how do we separate to because so much of the Capricorn energy of the structure with Saturn, Pluto, and uh, Jupiter and Pallas are all regarding, I just had it on the tip of my tongue until I said all that, but it's regarding, well, it's conditioning and structure, but it's a framework. It's a framework. It's a framework of our belief structures. It's a framework. It's wanting to purge. So we want action. It's just action sometimes, as you said, can't be fast enough, especially when it's retrograde and when it's working with these huge entities. It's not just a small potato farm. And potatoes might take a lot of work, too. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Yeah, well, and I think that part of that is so the structure that is so Capricornian and Saturnian. It's also what structures are supportive and necessary and what structures are antiquated, right? And that's part of what we're dealing with, with all that, the stellium and Pluto being in Capricorn. Um, but I do think it's important to pull in the Venus piece because they're what we call mutually receptive right now. Oh, right. Yes. Beautiful. Venus with the sun. Yeah. It, with the sun. The sun is governed, has its relationship, is governed by Leo. Venus govern, governs Libra. So they have when they're in each other's signs. And so even though it's a very minor aspect, right? A semi-sextile is not a major aspect in astrology, but they're the fact that they're in mutual reception amplifies that exchange so even though they're not in aspect degree wise um they are in mutual reception and Absolutely. that becomes part of this story of the need for play the need for joy mm -hmm. um that in the midst of how serious the world is remembering to find some levity heart, it heart and laughter it, yeah and that it can feel like that's one of the ways out of the overwhelm oh, this is good. Um, that is getting the that this interplay of connecting with ourselves in new ways finding our how to access joy within ourself, I think is part of that mutual reception rather than what Libra is usually super dependent upon is other people, right? And how they, they don't know how they feel unless they're in relationship with someone else or how to respond until they see how someone else responds. Um, and, but with that mutual reception, it's, that's part of that foraging, part of that harvesting is accessing internal joy that isn't dependent on other people. Oh, how beautiful. That's very beautiful. And I also notice there's a mystic triangle with the nodes and Mercury in Libra and Mars that we had just spoken about. And earlier when you were talking about the relationships, which of course it is, we're talking intensely with, well, I don't know, but yes, it is intense. We have Pluto involved. Always, it's intense, but 
two, it takes two to tango. So I'm thinking when you said have fun, we should turn on the music. Where's Neptune? Get Neptune involved here. And, you know, or even Aronis and there's so many ways. Yes. Just. um, But yeah, that playful, creative Leonian energy, you know, like accessing that, um, you know, just playing because it's fun just doing something because it's joyful and it doesn't have to be rational and it doesn't have to, you don't have to know why, you know, it's, it brings you joy. It elevates you energetically um, and makes it easier to walk through the world when it's super intense. Absolutely. Smiles again and again, they know that there's fewer muscles than frowning and, um, Boy, that that just, I was, boy, I'm sorry about that. I, blah, 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 blah. oh, yes, direct planets. That's the other factor. Mm-hmm. Things are going to lighten up because Saturn is going direct very soon. It's going direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we wrote it down all over the place. I think it's the 28th, 29th of this yeah. month. Yes, next week just in a few days yeah saturn goes direct on the 29th and then pluto on the 4th of Of october and that's big they've been retrograde for four months so all that work and structure that we've been thinking about will have a forward motion and it's so immediate and imperceptible at the same time i know that jupiter we were just discussing and remembering went on direct on September 13th. And I know immediately I began to feel the effects. And uh-huh. it was only in retrospect, I was thinking, my goodness, things are working. And then, of course, I remembered a conversation I had and that, yes, it was actually in an energetic reshifted mm-hmm. relationship because it's in appearance from Earth. It's not actually going retrograde. But it appears so that... Yeah, well, it, that's optical illusion because of its proximity to the Earth. Um, is that retrograde period? Um, but even just yeah, we've had almost the whole sky retrograde for a long time, and so as stuff is now starting to move forward, of course, Mercury is going to get retrograde here in a few weeks. But um, or in what, like three weeks? Um, but a lot of the sky that's been retrograde for half the year is going to start moving forward. And so that allows for things to finish up, right? I often sort of get the image of the, after the, once a planet turns direct, I sort of think about it as like a broom that's sweeping up the last little shards of things right? It's like you've been sweeping and you've almost, and then you go back over it and then you've almost got everything and you go over it one last time. That that's sort of that direct motion of like finishing up what has been in play for the last several months. Many months and intensely. And you had also mentioned Forrest, Stephen Forrest, a a renovated, a a revered um, astrologer, uh, he speaks of the glyph, which is a lot, you know, a Libra glyph, which is a line, horizontal line, and then 
the second line on top of it begins to go horizontal and then it has a half circle and then it had well not quite a half circle a little more than a half circle and then it continues on and there's a little space and it's been related in different ways i know that gemini brett calls it the setting sun there as you know because mm-hmm. on the west side but you were mentioning that stephen forrest mentions it as a bridge so here we are gathering it sort of ties in together all the thoughts tonight that mm-hmm. brought up that bringing this harvest of inner soul thought belief structures which we have been doing on various forms with these large planets the outer planets social planets and that being retrograde for extended periods that are slowly Mm -hmm. not well now beginning to go direct is a moment of gathering up on another level of of inner work because Mars is still retrograde, and so some of these, how are we putting it into implementing it? Right. Yeah, well, and I think part of that idea of the bridge, I mean, it's a couple things, but some of it is even as simple as thinking about the, you know, the natural astrology wheel, Aries, first house. Libra is the first sign that is not personal houses, right? It's this bridge, it's this shift where the first six houses are who you are, your money, your communication, your home, your health, your children, right? And then Libra is this turning point where it becomes the, your relationship with the external world. Yes. And so that's part of that idea of it being this bridge sign is it's what allows that transition from the inner to the outer, to the collective, um, well, the, and makes that transition I um, archetypally. Thank you, Dr. Tad. What a wonderful visual. As we reach across the bridge, we're going to take a small break. This is September 26th. This is Planet Buzz, a monthly edition on Talk Cosmos. And we're talking about the autumnal equinox. So enjoy your view, and Dr. Tad and I will be back. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Libra, ruled duly by Venus. By leaving the lower hemisphere of the self, the energy of Libra enters the arena where the completed self meets the other-than-self to form a relationship based on partnership. As a cardinal air sign on the descendant angle, represented by the equinox of equal light, Libra's energy learns through comparison and relationships with the intention to integrate duality and polarities. Hi, this is John Luke. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars and planets. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Oh, hi. Hi again. Planet Buzz for Libra, autumnal equinox, September 26th with Dr. Laura Tad and myself, Suze Rose Minahan. And wasn't that fun to hear John Luke Chinworth? 
our, your great friend here in Seattle talking as they have the rotational um, astrologers make a little commentary. So that was a nice hello, I thought. Yeah, hello, John. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Well, back to this and polarity. That was a point that you know, I mentioned in our little uh, little recording that I have that I've thought of yes. and that you I think you wanted to bring attention to also if I remember. Um yeah, well just I always think that it's very helpful when trying to understand any sign that you look at its polarity. Um, but particularly, I think, with the cardinal signs, because they're so tied to the seasons and they are these cardinal points, right? Um, but so part of understanding this Libran shift and is looking towards Aries, is, which is its polarity, it's its opposite, right? So when we, in the Northern Hemisphere, the spring equinox is the beginning of the zodiacal year right it's the first day of Aries and um so that other and relational quality of Libra is in contrast to the I am that is the key words for Aries and so understanding that interplay of I versus them or I versus you and um that really what that's about, I mean, it, we look at Libra as partnership and other people, but it's also what we project onto others. It's a lot of shadow stuff, right? Which is what we, mm -hmm. in Jungian language, um, of what we are uncomfortable looking at within our, about ourselves within, and that can be positive or negative. Um, and, you know, Jung talked a lot about how what you don't like in somebody is really what you don't like about yourself and what part of you is that. And that's what you're in reaction to is that they're reminding you about parts of yourself you don't like to look at. Um, and so part of that Libra piece, again, I think it's really an interesting time to explore Libra as an archetype because so many of us are so isolated when Libra is such a relational sign. It's the first relational sign. Um, and yet so many people are, if, you know, there's people that aren't, haven't been interacting with almost anyone. And some people are only interacting with immediate family, um, at least in a physical way. And so how we navigate that now when Libra's calling us to be social. It is absolutely, a, a, I'm trying to think of the right word, and, and some words are, well, a dilemma. It's a real dilemma. <laughs> I, I, when you speak of the various experiences, I immediately relate in my mind to people I know very closely who are by themselves, isolated, or mm -hmm. else um, just family, or in my particular, I'm thinking of or, all the ors, here in my particular living um, environment that I will be leaving in October, is a small community, 10, 10 units, about half of them are here all the time, 
And so, but there's a few people. It's like a recreated family. And it is interesting that we feel pretty casual with each other. Sometimes later I wonder, oh my goodness, because who knows, they might be with their family, true family. And all these contrived, necessary, or arbitrary, however we want to say it, but rules of conduct that we're wanting to follow in order to protect ourselves and others, it's quite challenging. So going back to this idea of gathering, uh, transition, bridge, scale, choices, shadow, golden shadow, ourself, others, it's a basket. It's like a, a basket of posies to pick. And you hope they smell good because there's not a lot of people to look at them. You know? It's just me and my basket. Yeah. So I do, I think it's an, it's a really, and I, and, you know, it's, it is, it's how do we navigate that? And I think that's part of this foraging too. Um, because as the sign progresses, as the sun progresses through the sign, it's gonna then make be an aspect to all this Capricorn that we've been talking about and all of the, and the Aries, right? It didn't hit that. It didn't engage with those energies, the planets that are in those signs when the season turned, but, and it sort of all stacks up. I was looking so you know, by October 6th, we sort of get, the sun starts to get an aspect, um, you know, it'll be 14 degrees Libra. So then it will be square palace. And then we sort of engage with that, all of that Capricorn, that palace, Jupiter, Pluto, um, Saturn, right, will be the first time that the sun gets an as in tight aspect with, with that stellium. And so it's building, we're in this sort of building phase of the sun moving through Libra and that challenge of isolation in some ways intensifying over the next couple of weeks. Um, Along with but Mars. Then, yeah, and then it engages with Mars too. And it will do that a little bit later. I think, you know, because of the stellium, as soon as it gets to 14 will really start feeling it'll still be 10 degrees different than the, than Mars mm. or nine degrees. So we'll feel it, but it won't be as intense um, as the sort of domino effect that you get with a stellium. Right. Of like, you know, I wouldn't say 14 to 25 is necessarily an aspect I would maybe cause it's the sun, but uh, any other planet, I wouldn't give a 10 degree orb um, 11 degree orb. But it begins um, to feel it in different ways. It's true. It, yeah. it, it grows. And it's interesting that... Palace, and that it's just as everything goes direct, which is, I think, oh, really important that the sun doesn't get in direct square to this stack of planets that have been retrograde in Capricorn for months until all of them are moving forward. Oh, I love and it. And I that actually feels really positive to me because I think that the it allows this stuckness. It's like it starts to break up. That's part of the energy of squares is they're mm -hmm. unavoidable. And they get the bad rap of being 
bad, you know, squares are bad. Trines are good. <laughs> no, squares can be hard. Squares are hard because you can't avoid them. Trines you, work you don't it. have, you have to, to deal with. Yeah, you have to come up with a resolution somehow. Now, it may not be the best fit later on, but life always gives us other chances. But the but but something moves in the earth and in order yeah. energy needs to move in order to recalibrate itself and and really it is a sense well i always think of how to express it but uh, i'm of a strong understanding that how we work with the life is with our senses of what we know and along with the universe at large and so it's yeah. this do um, this good. That's a great partnership, and the fact that that there, it's meeting Pallas, the goddess of wisdom, and she's also a martial. You know, she's a, a warrior of her own thought, but more strategic, mm -hmm. strategic thinking. How excellent! Yeah. And uh, and in and in a formatted, um, structure structured. Capricorn that's of course Capricorn also has its spiritual um, uh, direction but we often think of it as so material but still it is structures and how are we putting those and then with the philosophy of Jupiter and then the purging and breaking down to regain our sense of power and new life into our structures with Pluto and then finally the leader of all Mr. Capricorn Mr. Uh, Saturn Capricorn, yes. yeah. Thank you. The the wise elder of of of, of the timekeeper. Mm -hmm. That and and as you had brought too, there's bigger cycles ahead that all of this is shifting gears with, as I would put it, to prepare ourselves for that later in November, uh, Jupiter conjunct Sa uh, uh, Pluto. Mm -hmm. at the very end of the cycle well not close is it 20 is that when it's at 22 degrees again yeah the last conjunctions at 22 the same as uh, mm -hmm. as the saturn uh, pluto conjunction that we had in january yes so this is quite a book-ended <laughs> energetic moment of our because when jupiter gets together with Pluto, it can be really big um, decisions. Yeah. Is that the 13th? big change? Yeah, the thirteenth of November, I think, the day after. Um, I think it's the sixteenth. The thirteenth is when Mars goes direct. Oh, okay. Um, just looking in the. It's like knowing the right lines to a play. You know, I think to myself, it's like, when did this go direct? When did that go retrograde? There's so many action between all the planets this year with yeah. not just one square, but three squares or not just one conjunction, but three conjunctions and, and Pluto with every of the, well, except for Uranus, it's got Jupiter, Saturn, and, well, it doesn't have Neptune. Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. Are I think really the fourteenth is what it's looking like in the Pemmer. So it's right there. I mean, you know, basically it's stacked on top of Mars going direct. Um, so these this work we're doing, uh, 
of choices, of balancing, rebalancing. Balancing is always like those rocks, you know, it's always in different formats and it may not be so apparent, but it works. It, it helps bring in light from some other area. Because I often think balance has to be 50-50. No, it doesn't. It just needs to be able to operate so that it Right. It's the, it's the difference. And actually I sort of went down a rabbit hole with this earlier, <laughs> I'll bring it up, but um, Libra being the scales being lady justice and justice isn't necessarily what's just is different than equal. Justice is different than equality because if what you, you know, there was memes going around years ago of sort of I showing the difference of like, well, Equal is all these kids trying to look over the fence, watching the baseball game, standing at the same, on the same size box. But one's a five-year-old and one's a 16-year-old. So the fact that they have the same level of thing to stand on isn't fair. It isn't justice. It's equal. It's not just. Wow. What's just is if the three-year-old gets a box that's four, you know, two feet taller than the 16-year-old, because now they're all at the same level and can all see the game. Oh, that's just lovely. (laughs) And so (laughs) the rabbit hole I went down thinking about Libra as justice is lady justice, right? That is carrying the scales. Mm -hmm. And... Then I said, oh, well, we've got a, you know, there must be an asteroid for the goddess that she's named after. And there is. <laughs> um, so um, in Greece, Systemis, T-H-E-M-I-S. And there's an asteroid. Um, it's asteroid 26 in, you know, if you wanted to put it into your software. And so currently she is at 21 degrees Scorpio. Um, and she moves into Sag basically when the sun ingresses, um, into Scorpio, um, on the 21st, 22nd, depending on what your time zone is, she ingresses into Sagittarius. Um, and that's T or into, into Scorpio. It moves. Yes. So she moves into Sag, um, yeah. T-H-E-M-I-S. Okay, got it. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, And then she's at four, and just out of curiosity, I was looking, and she's at four degrees Sag on the election. Mm. On election day um, here in the States. Um, But so, yeah, she's currently 21 and and just sort of thinking about, okay, if Libra's justice and and seeing where that falls in, you know, in the chart, the the, what's going on now and and looking at and that. And so it looks like, you know, she's in a sign for about a month or so, two months based on the speed I was seeing. So in that, you know, throughout October, Throughout November, she'll be in Sagittarius and crossing over the current South Node. Um, oh. And um, and how that may engage, you know, how that, what does that do? You know, that, that just, if, you know, assuming that she, her name is accurate to her archetype as an asteroid, um, 
just sort of thinking, okay, this, this four degree Sag point gets pretty close to the U.S. ascendant. Um, of 12, yes, 12 degrees. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's moving that direction. And, and I, based on the astrology, I will be shocked if we have the results on election day. So it's mm. very possible that all of this lining up of Mars is going to be retrograde, doesn't go direct till the 13th all this other, this Jupiter-Pluto square on the 14th, and then Themis conjunct the U.S. Sun, all sort of around the same time. Um, seemed like an interesting confluence of events. Not um, U.S. Sun, but the, the current... The U.S. Ascendant. The, well, the, the U.S. Ascendant. Ascendant. Yeah, the Ascendant. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it is significant. It has, that is... Um, the astrology of watching, I'm really grateful you brought this up, and it's a matter of finding out how the wills of um, different forces on, 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 other, on all sides operate, you know. It's, it's a, that's a fascinating... Yeah, well, and so this idea of of her being Lady Justice, which is, she carries a scale, which is the symbol of Libra. Um, and so that's how I got there with my research, the rabbit hole I fell down, was thinking about the scales and iconography we have around that and that it's Lady Justice. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's even female feels important, right? I, There's so yeah. many, <laughs> images throughout our culture that are elevating male archetype and yet she's the one who's elevated when it comes to justice um, and equanimity that it's not a man it's a woman um feels like it's part of this part of the story um of this libra in time and maybe that all is reflected too in who will be galvanized in the wake of um, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. Mm, yes. Um, and again, this idea of a female justice who was about fairness and justice for everybody, but really leading this charge for women. And the, and the idea... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go well, ahead. I was you were going to say the idea of something. I was just thinking of femininity, the the lunar aspect of any of mm -hmm. us that is the receptivity, and that really the uh, energetic descriptions are experiences, not just descriptions. The descriptions are changing because of the experiences and the consciousness um, collectively through all this many. Um, aspects just to name it generally that we've talked about and are mm -hmm. talking about between the, the the receptivity and it has a lot to do i think with what mars wants mars which is our direction mars which is in aries for these six months it's retrograde right now is asking how to forge as you know forge foraging and forge um, these new identity the new, the new systems of of action, the new systems of our how we go forward, and it relates to how we receive, how we, what is justice, how 
for all or for anyone. And boy, it's all just many sides of the prism. So what you were going to say, it's the idea of something. Did, I hope I didn't. Well, just, yeah, I think that's part of it. And just so this idea of, yeah, along those lines, I think you said sort of what okay. I was going to say. And, um, and so yeah, looking at the other asteroids, speaking of the feminine as far as balance, and it's potent. You know, Juno in, in Scorpio, zero degrees Scorpio, just left Libra after months and months and months since January of being in Libra all year mm. and retrograde when nobody else, well, nobody, I mean, all these, well, really, none of the other planets were retrograde and now has just entered Scorpio of really intense exchange for mutual of resources and for life and for true commitment and that's what and right on the ascendant you know at zero mm -hmm. degrees and our ascendant at that seed point for the equinox was one degree so it's right there and then eris at 24 mars uh soon to and, and eris is so slow in that 500 year orbit that mars mm -hmm. will be conjunct and of course she wants truth above all and then there's vesta vesta in leo conjunct that venus that you brought up so beautifully that's in mutual reception with the sun so of our hearths of what our home of the daily activities so really our commitments of juno that wants the truth also in well truth comes in many ways you know um I mean, perspective, that's what I'm saying, you know, because there's Sagittarius yeah. and Scorpio and, and all that. Uh, and, and then Eris, it's really. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something I kind of like Juno and Scorpio. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so no, no nonsense. Like Juno's just not gonna, she's not gonna tolerate it. She's not gonna tolerate ridiculousness. Um, and I really, I think what I, I think it would potentially be a challenging aspect natally, but for what's going on in the world right now, I think it can be galvanizing. Mm, that's a good um, word, galvanizing. Pluto. You know, this like, yep, it can be like righteous anger, which is part of Juno as an archetype in some ways. We know and it what? just feels like in Scorpio, it, it amplifies that of like, yep, no, I'm done. I'm not tolerating over it. Not happening. We were just talking earlier about Persephone, or I think we were, because mm -hmm. we do have a little yeah. chat before. Or and Juno is trying exactly trying at zero degrees Scorpio 40 minutes to series at zero degrees Pisces 40 mm. minutes. I mean, it's exact to the yeah. de degree and second. So Ceres, the mother who lost her Persephone and in, in the larger context of as the world as growth, which at the time we're at, we have the harvest and we're getting prepared for this loss of the season here in the Northern Hemisphere of where the sun is going towards that Capricorn, Tropic of Capricorn, where it will be winter at the solstice in December 21st, which is when also 
Jupiter and Saturn will have left Capricorn and united in Aquarius for this new 800-year cycle in, in air. It's going to be monumental, and there's so much to to incorporate, to, to integrate. And it's a really, it's, and I like your reminder yeah. to be joyful so that we don't get hung up with sorrow as we're left maybe with ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, and so I think, yeah, absolutely. And part of that Persephone, so the link with Persephone, you know, is, and harvest and series is series is the goddess of harvest, mm. right? So the fact that we are in harvest it's harvest season. She is deeply intertwined with this time of year because she is the goddess of the harvest. Yeah, to be grateful um, for all that we have. Oh, go ahead. And, and it was when Persephone made her descent into the underworld. Um, and the loss. And, yeah. and the loss and the grief that, that Ceres has or Demeter has, right? Persephina, if we're going to use Ceres, we should use the Roman uh, Persephina instead of Persephone. Um, and that, that again, it's sort of this inner seeking Persephone going into the underworld is not, doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's this inner process going inward, looking internally. Yes. You know, it reminds right? me as we go into the night, thinking of equinox where now the equal night begins less light here as we approach winter in the three months from here and the moon shimmering across the water and how beautiful it is the light being reflected it, in some ways can be like the imagery of us taking that that bridge down below you know instead of above into the depths of our inner selves a quick mention next week will be the Moonbeam team, and we'll be talking about the Aries full moon and then the Libra new moon. And that's with Liz Mouchette and Sarah Stromley. So do join us on next Saturday. And tonight is with Dr. Laura Tad. And this is the Planet Buzz. And we're talking about autumnal equinox and all its ramifications, which is such an energetic uh, spin off. And, and here we are talking about inverting our bridge, <laughs> taking a selfie down below <laughs> in the, the realm yeah. of the waters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this inner, this inner process, this inner knowing, right. And the underworld gets a bad rap. It's not, you know, I think because in our culture, it sometimes people equate the underworld with hell and that's not what the underworld not at is all. it's not what it was in mythology it's the land of the dead but that's different than hell exactly because if we do think of living it's eternal and that it's the internal, land of transition yeah and the, that internal self is where the life is and to connect with that truism rather than seeing the mirror outside which libra and its shadow you know, is to integrate that light and yeah, and sing a yeah. song. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sing, sing a song. Well, this is the time to say uh, adieu until again, wonderful Dr. Tad. And yes, it was great to be here again. Thank you, Sue. <laughs> well, I'm always enjoying it, and we love you, audience, and welcome. 
your listening. Thank you so much. listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.